My name is DJ Mongo Boy. My name is MC Zirconium. Welcome to an edition of Project Moonbase entitled Geodesic Home. Mm. Do you see what we did there, listener? Geodesic home. It's not just a dome. No. It's a dome home. <laughs> it's a geodesically domey homey. <laughs> Big up, me homie. We're a pair of geodesic homies. I and I. <laughs> Despite the title, it's uh, not a show entirely made up of songs about geodesic domes. Oh. <laughs> we'll explain shortly why we've chosen that title for this week's show, but it's another show where we take a, take a pause, a moment for breath, as we bring you some of our favourite recent new releases and reissues that have come up uh, to the moon in the last week or two. In amongst all of that, we do, of course, have MC Zirconium uh, with his unnecessary news. This week, he goes to work in the local ice house for an abusive overseer and prejudiced natives. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I silly prejudiced. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that later. Yes. We're going to get things under a, a way by playing a brand new. This is from 2014. Oh what? yes. New year, new release. Oh my goodness! People are just doing stuff, and it's too early. <laughs> no, you don't have to do anything in January, listeners. That doesn't count. So, take the month off. This comes from a duo called Please Lose Battle, a chip tune duo, despite the picture on the, on the website. This is on the Pterodactyl Squad net label, who make pretty much everything they do available for free download, which is very generous of them. This is a band that was formed in 2013, which started out as a solo project, but now is a duo, and their favourite game systems apparently are the Nares, the Snares, and the Game Boy Pocket. Game Boy Pocket. That's right, Game Boy Pocket. Oh, Game Boy Pocket. <laughs> They just released, I presume, their debut album. It's eponymous and fine. Please lose battle. And we're going to play the opening track, which is magnificent. Way to start the show, I think, called Simply Nailed It.
that was Nailed It from Please Lose Battle from their album of the same name, released 2014. How is this even possible? Come on, take a break, people. I'm still sleepy. <laughs> there shouldn't be any releases in January. I think that's no, there shouldn't, shouldn't be, be anything. No. All you need in January is like milk, <laughs> milk and bread. Just, just something you can gum down. Yeah, and a big duvet. But they're full of life and zesty <laughs> are. energy, aren't they? According to that, very Certainly good. Are. Extraordinary piece of work. Well, we'll be giving you some information shortly about how you can get hold of that. Now we're going to have a track which gave this week's show its title with. It's a track I've been meaning to get in, or a band I've been meaning to get into the show for quite some time. And I, I synapses fired recently. I was reminded about its existence. This is a project put together by a gentleman called Mark Peterson, who's been making music since 1975 under the name Geodesium. Pronounced G-O-D-Z-M. <laughs> a very clever melding of words, geodesic and planetarium. Oh. Um, this is one of those... Supportmento. One- it is. This is one of those wonderful tiny niche genres of music which we like on the Moonbase. This is music that has been made exclusively for use in can planetariums. I, can, oh, right. For a minute, I thought it was, judging by the covers, some of which are quite startling, I thought it was music <laughs> for reading novelizations of Star Trek, too. <laughs> I'm sure they could be. I'm sure they could be. It has be. that same kind of wispy airbrushed with a kind of metallic effect. <laughs> uh, yes, I have to say that the sounds, the synths that are used on a lot of the more recent albums are not to my taste. That we're going to play a track from the very first album, which came out in '77, an eponymous album called Geodesy, which has some lovely old analog synth action on it. I'd love to imagine sitting in a planetarium enjoying this music. I like the idea of relaxing yet provocative geodesium <laughs> stylings embody traditional <laughs> space music. <laughs> Uh, It's a a long tradition. Ah, traditional space music. (laughs) I know, I'm glad they're keeping it alive. (laughs) So we're going to feature a track from this album, which features rather nicely a geodesic dome on its cover, receding into the distance. This is a track called Little Dipper. sci-fi sound of geodesium there from their first album of the same name a track called little dipper mm. that was a delight wasn't it It was it's a lovely and the, the whole album is, is worth worth getting you can in fact get it in download form and we'll be telling you about how to do that shortly 
This is the Project Moonbase, a weekly show from the recent future. If you would like to find out when the next show is coming your way, please follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash projectmoonbase. If you would like to find out more about the music and the news stories, please go to our website. Yes, head on over to projectmoonbase.com where you'll find everything you need to know about the show and how to contact us. You'll see a list of all the tracks we play and links to where you can find them on Amazon and iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, please, holy moly, yes, woo, 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 subscribe <laughs> to our podcast on itunes review it and please click five stars in fact you can say whatever you want just click five stars if you're listening to the show and you like it there is no reason to avoid your duty <laughs> it's just a simple matter of going over to itunes and saying yes five stars more yes. people should know about this we need to get some more listeners you're great but frankly we need a few more we were tipped off for relatively recently the fact that um i think in each country in each region that itunes exists they have a different uh, different set of reviews and ratings so even if you have voted for us in the UK, you need to fly to a European country and do the same from there as well. Yes, if you could dot around the globe <laughs> and vote for us again, that would be yeah. great. <clears throat> yes, please do. Project Moonbase is a listener-supported show. If you're thinking of making a purchase on Amazon, you could do us an enormous favour by going to our website first, clicking on the Amazon affiliate button in the top right-hand corner and making your purchase. It uh, won't cost you anything, it's entirely anonymous and it keeps us in Dimaxian cars. Thanks to everybody for listening and recommending us to your friends. And if you enjoy the show, you can make a tiny but perfectly formed monthly donation. Under each listing, under each episode of Project Moonbase on projectmoonbase.com, you will see three buttons. Choose wisely. And as an added bonus, you will receive complete <laughs> forgiveness. The complete forgiveness of our very own Moon Pope. He's much more popular than the Earth Pope. He's nowhere near as judgmental. No. He's very, 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 very forgiving. And so for a tiny uh, donation of perhaps a pound a month, you can be forgiven <laughs> on a monthly basis by our, right. our Moon Pope. Now, the Earth Pope isn't very keen on the Moon Pope and often no. sends up disparaging comments towards him because he feels like we're muscling in. And we, right. are. we are. We're doing a better job as well. And we retaliate by firing the moon laser. <laughs> Straight at the Vatican. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> it's a peace laser. <laughs> All right, the peace laser. If you would like to be forgiven by the Moon Pope, that's DJ Bongo Boy, you know, a tiny donation of it from as little as a pound a month to Project Moonbase, and uh, forgiveness will be yours. You will no longer be wretched with sin. <laughs> I use my forgiveness laser for that. <laughs> now, the shags. Pew, pew. Hmm? The shags are back, or at least a shag is mm -hmm. back. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Dot Wiggin, the main vocalist from the Shanks, she's got back into the music business. She's escaped from she, the hospital. She's escaped. She's free. And, and she's run into a recording studio. And she signed up to Jello Biafra's Alternative Tentacles record label. Wow. This is and, amazing news. I know. I thought she'd been anaesthetised sometime in the late 70s. Musically anaesthetised. <laughs> some, nope. some, some kind of people from the FBI jumped on her and kind of stuck a needle in her neck. <laughs> I think that's what It's happened. worn off. She's back. She's... <laughs> She's back with a band, sadly not involving any of the other Wigan sisters, but uh, made up of some of the elite of uh, East Coast uh, bands, I believe. Slightly disappointingly, though, can mostly play their instruments quite well. Oh, God. But um, there's still a delightful charm. This album is made up of, I think, a mixture of previously unreleased Shag songs and also some new songs that were written specifically for this project. And they've been going out on the road and playing some live dates as well. We're going to play uh, one of the most delightful tracks on the album. There's a lovely animated video for this ritual post on the website too. This is Don Wiggin and her band with Banana Bike. Guessing always on our toes When is she gonna get on that banana? 
That was the unmistakable vocalizations of <laughs> Dot Wiggin there with a the Dot Wiggin band. <laughs> yes. A track called Banana Bike from an album called Ready Get Go. Mm. Which would have been quite good for our Let's Get Started show, if I'd <laughs> been aware of that track. Yes. Well, never mind. <laughs> We're playing it now. We are. As part of our Geodesic Home show. Yeah. And on that very subject, dear Lizard, it's now time for us to enter the autonomous living unit of Unnecessary News. Chinese students tie their hair to the ceiling to prevent <laughs> falling asleep while studying. <laughs> College students struggle to stay awake at night studying, apparently. Lies. Chinese university students have resorted to tying their hair up using clothes pegs. Every time they nod off, the pegs will pull their hair out, jerking them awake. This is only for the ladies, obviously, because men's hair That's isn't right. really long enough for no. that. Unless they're, you know, gender-bending or, or maybe something. They, maybe the men tend to live in places which have a lower ceiling. Maybe they do. The technique became popular after two students at Fujian Agricultural and Forestry University uploaded pictures of themselves on Weibo. Chen Tang, 20, and her roommate Hang Li, 21, have been struggling with a huge workload and needed a quick fix to fight the urge to nap. They tried caffeine push-ups and cranking up the air conditioning, but none of them worked. Then they decided to hit the history books for a solution. Cheng and Huang read about two famous Chinese scholars who practiced extreme methods to keep their minds alert. One would stab himself with needles every time he started to get drowsy, while the other one would tie his hair to a beam in the ceiling so that uh, it pulled every time he nodded off. So she picked option number two, the non-stabbing option. Good. The hair-pulling option. Chen is so keen to succeed that she decided to give the hair trick a try. Apparently, luckily for her, she's got long hair. We didn't have a beam in the dorm, said her roommate, so she used a clothes dryer. So it looks like a, a light fitting, essentially, mm. that she's attached her hair to a light fitting. <laughs> That's more or less what it looks like. So the hair hanging technique seems to have gone viral. Weibo is full of photographs of Chinese students emulating Chen. <laughs> At this time, there are no pictures of British students on their hair to ceiling fans to avoid failing. They're just asleep. Mm-hmm. That's why China's going to win. <laughs> They're, they've already won. We just don't know it with, yet. With an attitude like that, yes. Cops flee a station as family dumps a goblin. <laughs> a family from Bulawayo's Keta 7 suburb dumped its tenant's goblin at the Shabala police station, sending cops fleeing in different directions. A family that claimed a lodger owned the goblin brought it into the station in a suitcase. <laughs> we heard some screams from the charge office and most officers who had knocked off rushed in to see what was happening. At first, everyone gathered round the suitcase wanting to see what was inside, said a cop. The officer said a traditional healer who had come with the family opened the suitcase and a weird-looking creature jumped out of a bottle that was filled with blood. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me, thank no. you, no. And no one told anyone it was time to run. One minute the charge office was full, the next it was empty. I think some people went out through the windows because we could not have all fitted through the door. Fat cops and slim cops all ran for their lives. <laughs> Screaming, oh. said the cop. Police officers gave different versions of how the goblin looked. Some said that it looked like a snake with the head of a dog. And others said that it was a dog with scales like a pangolin, which is a sort of scaly yes, anteater. That's right, yeah. It's quite sweet. Mm. I, I was going to say, are there any pictures? But I guess everyone was too, too busy running away to take pictures of it. Well, there are no pictures, but they all agreed that it smelt terrible. <laughs> uh, the traditional healer is said to have overpowered the goblin and burnt it. <laughs> which is the traditional way to deal with a goblin, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Contacted for comment, Bulawayo's deputy police spokesman confirmed the incident. (laughs) And this is what he says. Intelligence that we have gathered suggests some criminal syndicate could be operating in an attempt to trick people into parting ways with their money, all in the name of cleansing their homes. (laughs) We would like to urge people to be extra vigilant as we continue our investigations, said a spokesman. Are they conducting door-to-door searches for goblins? Yeah, I mean, he didn't. Is it a goblin or not? Is he using a people, a, a crime syndicate infesting housing estates with goblins with in goblins. order to try and That's get money out work. of people? Terrible. Amazing. A learner driver was caught travelling on a motorway accompanied only by her pet parrot. <laughs> the woman in her fifties was pulled over in a 4x4 near Junction 22 of the M62 in West Yorkshire. That's <laughs> Junction 22 if you'd like to get your Atlas of British motorways out. On suspicion of speeding. 
West Yorkshire Road Policing Unit tweeted a picture of the parrot along with a warning to learner drivers. <laughs> really? Policemen? We're tweeting, are we now? Tweeting pictures of parrots? Unfortunately, his owner has a provisional license and since parrots are not authorised to supervise learner drivers, the vehicle has been seized. <laughs> drivers who hold a provisional licence are only permitted to drive when accompanied by qualified motorists and are banned from driving on motorways. Chief Inspector Mark Bonas of West Yorkshire Police said the rules of the road exist for a very good reason and it is important to remember that if this lady had been in a crash or an incident she would not have been covered by insurance. <laughs> and neither would the parent. Right, but that's not really the point. That's just, it's, in fact, that's a fallacy. <laughs> If this or that happened, then whatever. But it didn't happen, did it? No. It didn't happen. Why don't we just stick to what did happen? Hmm, you're just... not allowed to drive with a parrot if you're a learner <laughs> driver. So let's not go... If a UFO had come down and a beam of light had abducted her, you know. That's right. Anything could have happened. Anything could have happened. That's not the point. I really hate it when people go, well, if this had happened. But it yeah. didn't happen. That didn't happen. She was no. speeding and she's not supposed to be on the road. That's so right. leave it at that. Learner drivers should not be on the motorway at all, and anyone who takes to the roads as a learner must be accompanied by a qualified parrot. <laughs> you have been used. Acanthropis. I think Hems is a canyon. Thank you, sir. For a squawkingly good selection of new stories, there shall be more later on in the show. of um, delightful pre-Columbian Mexican pagan avant-garde <laughs> electronic music. A gift, actually, from my pseudo-niece. <laughs> that was Luis Perez, an album that uh, came out originally in 1981 on a private press. I don't think it's really ever had a very widespread release, but it has just been reissued by Sacred Summits. The album is a mixture of um, pre-Columbian Mexican... <laughs> Ipan in Xilili Metzli, Mexico Magico Cosmico, en el ombligo de la luna. Which the last bit means in the belly of the moon, apparently. So it's quite appropriate for us here up on the moon. It's all quite a cosmic record mixture of original pre-Columbian instruments and also, as you might have heard there, a little bit of analogue electronics as well. So nice yeah, where did they get these pre-Columbian instruments from? Because pre-Columbia, that was a while back, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> well, I thought there were many... Dashed uh, them off, yeah. <laughs> many instruments No, left. probably not, no. Probably have to make them again. 
from from drawings from uh, from sculptured rocks. from just from blood <laughs> from blood possibly yes well wasn't it the ones with the temples the, the Mexican stepped pyramids yeah they like yeah to... they had chocolate didn't they we know that yep and they liked chopping people's heads off and pulling their hearts out and stuff to like make that. everything holy mm. Mm, the Incas the Incas they're a bit further south weren't they this is probably yeah. Toltecs or something wasn't it oh, okay. within Mexico a little less bloodletting a little oh, more a little they... more music <laughs> <laughs> a bit more they were more into analog synths yeah. <laughs> That's very nice. It was lovely, little, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Licking the cosmos, right. pre-Columbian style, maybe. That was just a little brief excerpt. Most of the tracks on the album are, are quite lengthy and in size. There will be, of course, a link on the Project Moon Base website where you can get hold of that on vinyl, no less. In fact, we're going to play a track now which has uh, come out on vinyl. This uh, brings to an end the ongoing series of Black Mill tapes that friend of the show Pie Corner Audio has been producing over the last few years. He's just released Volume 4, and he's packaged together Volumes 3 and 4 into a rather delightful double vinyl edition on green and purple wax, mm. which is a very beautiful object. Hello! Um, so if there's any copies of, of that left, I would highly recommend... <laughs> getting those but you can also get this in download form of course as as well and we're going to play a track from volume four called electronic rhythm number two track to go on the autobahn <laughs> if you were if you were sick of uh, craft work you wanted to change <laughs> yeah 
That was amazing. I very much enjoyed the electronic rhythm number two Mm. from Pie Corner Audio from the last of their Black Mill tapes, volume four, available in uh, purple and green vinyl. Absolutely. So if you go to projectmemess.com, there'll be a link to where you can purchase that if you want. Certainly will. And I also like the generic title as well. I always like a generic title for a track on the show. They're not not overselling it, are they? (laughs) No, and they're radically so, they're radically underselling. It's a nice it, understated it's, approach. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's very good. It creeps up on you. Like, well, you're not going to expect much from me, but here I am. <laughs> While we're on the subject of travelling down the old autobahn, uh, we're going to take the autobahn into uh, East Germany in the 1980s. And what would be better than travelling down the uh, autobahn in an ice wagon? <laughs> Indeed. Courtesy of a friend of the show, Chris Sharp, otherwise known as Concretism, who has very kindly sent us a miniature pair of tracking devices, mm. which we shall be sporting proudly on our lapels. No doubt we'll be pinging on his, on radar. his radar, yeah. his Concretism-based radar. <laughs> These two badges laced with uh, uranium. <laughs> That's right. Very handsome. Very good. The typeface is just the right size to make the curious young lady lean in. <laughs> To, What's that? Exactly right. I'm sure At which f- point you can begin the charm offensive. Well, <laughs> let me play let you. me tell you. <laughs> Incidentally, I am the host of Project Moonbase, and I'm a moon pope. And you're the moon pope. I don't know what that makes me. No, well, nothing. Acolyte, moon cardinal. Oh, I hadn't expected to rise so swiftly. <laughs> I thought it would just be sort of moon lackey. <laughs> moon lackey. Moon Vatican That's right, yeah. caretaker. And, uh, <laughs> you're the moon Vatican accountant. <laughs> I need one of those. Embezzle. Now, Concretism has just released a brand new track on SoundCloud. It's not one of, it hasn't put it onto one of his EPs yet, but I'm sure once he's recorded three more tracks, it will appear in EP form. But for the time being, you can listen to it on uh, SoundCloud and you'll be able to get to that through projectmoonmaze.com. This is Concretism with Ice Wagon.
Eis. Kommen uns hier Eis. That was the uncharacteristically upbeat sound <laughs> Ice Wagen from Concretism there. Obviously, he's still in a good mood. He's <laughs> fairly upbeat. He is. Although, obviously, it touches on the macabre. It's an East German pre-war coming down ice cream van. Yep. That will be 20 Phoenix, young man. And do you have anything you would like to tell me about your parents? <laughs> Answer me! <laughs> yeah. Slightly Beautiful. dark undertones there. That's what we like. Splendid stuff. Mm. I enjoyed that. Of Makes course. me want some ice cream. <laughs> some East German I've never cream. had any. <laughs> Why? It's quite hard to manufacture on the moon. Well, you did say you were going to get me a cone, but then by the time you came up to the moon, it melted. At least <laughs> that's was, what you told me. It was just the cone. That's all you had left. Just a damp cone. <laughs> oh, well. One of these days we'll get uh, an ice cream maker in the main base. Chris Sharp knows what I'm on about. <laughs> he knows my sorrow. He <laughs> knows the sorrow of a damp ice cream cone. <laughs> Maybe he should do a whole EP themed around damp ice cream cones. Well, maybe he will now. Either well, give him idea. We'll be back with more uh, newly discovered music here at the Moon Base. But first of all, it's time for us to hear from MC Zirconium as we juggle the buckyballs of unnecessary news. A junior doctor sewed up his wounds after being attacked by a shark. But instead of seeking medical treatment elsewhere, he popped in to his local pub for a pint. <laughs> As you do. Shark attack victim James Grant survived by sewing up his wounds with a first aid kit before rewarding himself with a pint of beer. <laughs> Mr. Grant had entered the water at Garden Bay in Invercargill in New Zealand, where the jaws of a fearsome shark clasped his leg. The junior doctor said uh, it latched on pretty well, and I was just trying to get it off. The frightened doctor who was fishing in the water began stabbing what he thought was a type of, uh, I was going to say Svengali shark. Svengali shark. A Svengali shark. <laughs> Would you like me to uh, deal with your career, young lady? A seven gill shark with his diving knife. He added, I sort of just fought the shark off. The shark got a few stabs. The knife wasn't long enough, though. Sounds like the shark was stabbing him. It does, yeah. As soon as the shark let go of Mr. Grant's leg, he hobbled to the beach where he took out a needle and thread from his first aid kit that he just happened to have on him. <laughs> Following the incident, the skilled young doctor was joined by his shocked friends who thought he was just messing about. When they realised the severity of what had happened, they sprung into action by taking him to the pub. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Grant admitted later, I'm pretty grateful to still have my leg. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? You would be. I, I'm grateful to still have my leg. Yeah, both of them. Both of them, yeah. Newcomers to the show might not know, but if you want to find off oh, shark, DJ Bongo Boy's top tip for that is punch it on the nose. Punch it on the nose. Or, just like if a vicious dog is attacking you, put your finger up its bum. <laughs> but I don't know if a shark has a, a prominent enough butthole. <laughs> Scientists? Mm. Sharkologists? So seven gill sharks grow up to about uh, three metres long and are not man-eaters, but they can attack humans if they are agitated. I'm the same way. <laughs> and you often go for the leg too, don't you? I do. I like to, I like to bite the thigh if I can. <laughs> Gastronomic voyeurism. A South Korean woman makes £5,500 a month eating in front of her webcam. <laughs> this is a news report about Park Se-yo, a South Korean woman who makes nearly £5,500 a month eating in front of her webcam for three hours a day. In case you're wondering, she is fully clothed. <laughs> and she isn't enormous either. She's just a tiny person. Followers give her virtual balloons, which can be redeemed for cash. Park says, People enjoy the vicarious pleasure with my online show when they can't eat that much or don't want to eat food at night or are on a diet. Okay, well, that could be something to do with it. I mean, who hasn't seen somebody and said, I would like to watch that person eat an eight-course meal um, on the internet while I sit sadly alone with a dry cracker? Some say it makes eating alone feel less awkward, says a reporter. I don't know. I feel pretty awkward think, just thinking <laughs> just about thinking, it, frankly. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're hungry, you're not going to, oh, what I want to do is watch somebody eat. Yeah. I mean, that's otherwise orphans wouldn't be so unhappy, would they, as they press their little faces against uh, against the windows of uh, large uh, restaurants while fat people dine. They'd be just happy. They would, yeah. But they're not happy, are they? There's a little tear rolling down the orphan's cheek. But do you think I should start my own webcam show where people can watch me eating stale 1970s cereal out of a dog bowl? Listeners, tweet at projectmoonbase.com, hashtag dog bowl. It's worth a try. Worth or, a try. or if you have any other suggestions, you know. 
They might be interested in paying to watch me stroking bars of gold when we... <laughs> is, it, is that possible? As long as you're wearing your entirely silver jumpsuit at the same time. <laughs> silver and gold. <laughs> a Marmite ban in Canada. Canada orders Britain to stop selling spread. <laughs> what? Our nation's favourite spread, or not? <laughs> not not favourite, but um, a spread from Britain. <laughs> Marmite has caused so much offence that Canada is reportedly trying to ban it. Now, I include this story because it's complete lies. It's not, this, this isn't true at all. <laughs> and it just, what's happened is somebody's complained about something oh. and then somebody else has spun this into like, oh. Canada is doing something incredibly crazy. And they're not. Questions have been asked in the House of Parliament oh. over this. Yes. But it's a, it's a nothing, it's nothing. Tony Badger, who runs a shop selling British foods to expats, fears his business could go under because Canadian authorities are taking away some of his best-selling products, claiming that they contain illegal ingredients. In a global catastrophe that's been dubbed Marmageddon. <laughs> that's Marmageddon. The like Canadian it. Food Inspection Agency has recently launched a crackdown seizing items such as Iron Brew, Lucasade, Marmite, Penguin Bars and Ovaltine. Oh no. Holy cow. The Britain has claimed that he lost more than 20,000 Canadian dollars, or 10,000 pounds, when a cargo from the UK was seized. So they seized one cargo. They didn't ban it. They didn't ban anything. They just seized some of his cargo, which is annoying, admittedly, yeah. but that's not the same as banning it. One customer, Britain, Nigel Westwick, said he couldn't understand the insanity of preventing iron brew from entering Canada. Questions will be asked in the Scottish Parliament. Another customer added, if it's good enough for the UK, it should be good enough for Canada. <laughs> really? That's an interesting point of view. Canadian stars Justin Bieber and Celine Dion should be banned from Europe in retaliation for an apparent mix-up that saw Ryan Brew pulled from the shops, said a Scottish politician. This is Alan Smith, an SNP member of the European Parliament, who made this stupid demand. Why stop there, Alan? Why not war? <laughs> why, why are we bullying Bieber? You know, what's he got to do with anything? He's not taking your Ryan Brew. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency said Iron Brew and Marmite are not banned for sale in Canada. These products have been available on Canadian store shelves for more than a decade and will continue to be. Recently, a shipment containing a number of products imported from the UK was detained because it contained meat products that were not accompanied by the required documentation. Appropriate certification of meat products is required when entering Canada, which is boring. Isn't it? <laughs> it's boring. And this whole thing is a storm in a teacup. <laughs> It's all a bit dull, but I think one thing we can say is that we now have more reason to invade Canada than we ever had to go to Afghanistan <laughs> or Iraq. I never banned my mate there, didn't I? So expect the war on Canada to happen any minute now. You have been used. Angulus Fergalus. Thank you, Mrs. Gallium. Thank you, sir. For a deliciously yeasty selection of news stories, there should be more on next week's show.
Trip back to 1938 there, and 1938 Japan to be precise, as you can probably work out for yourselves by listening to that. That was a band leader and arranger and composer Koichi Sugi, his version of uh, probably a traditional Japanese song called Kushimoto Bushi. This is a little slightly random discovery we made uh, here at the Moon Base. Koichi Sugi was one of the main Japanese musicians involved in adapting American jazz for a Japanese audience, but then when that was becoming a bit less uh, popular during the Second World War, for example, was adapting Japanese traditional Japanese tunes into slightly more of a jazz idiom. Although, as we've just discovered, apparently jazz was just regarded as enemy music in the well, Second World I War, s- quite reasonably, perhaps. I still regard it as enemy music. <laughs> as enemy music. But I embrace my enemies. Ah, <laughs> confusion. <laughs> There's a three volumes of this uh, jazz music that's come out recorded between 1936 and 41. Japanese jazz and salon music. You can get that from in download form, certainly, and possibly even in physical form too, if you're lucky. And it's a bit of a Japanese double bill because another discovery that came uh, along the same time as I was exploring the world of strange Japanese music <laughs> was this next band, which is actually a mixture of Western and uh, Japanese jazz, I suppose. This is Bill Wells, a Glaswegian keyboard player and guitarist and uh, all-round jazz enthusiast, working with uh, the strangely named Japanese band Maha Shalal Hashbaz, <laughs> which is actually Hebrew. Maha Shalal Hashbaz is basically a Japanese musician who likes the world of the amateur shall we say, mm-hmm. and has assembled a bunch of amateur musicians to record some rather beautiful, if slightly out-of-tune, tunes. This is an interesting little litmus test for MC Zirconium, actually, this next tune, because on the one hand, you're not that keen on the out-of-tune. No. But then I think you do like the naive sound of, or faux-naive sound of some Japanese bands that we play on the show, like Lollatone and such like. True. Which I think this is very much in that uh, ilk. Remember the housewives that are sort of bashing oh, things? Oh, uh, uayo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like them. Yes, well, this is another band of enthusiastic amateurs, which we've established mm. before we rather like on Project Moon Base. This is recorded on Stephen Pastel's Geographic Records. Came out a few years ago, but like I said, I just uh, stumbled across it. The album is called Gok, and the track is called Licorice Ticks.
That was Bill Wells and Maher Shalal Hashbaz with Licorice Ticks from an album called Gok. Yes. Interesting. The enthusiast, as he said, enthusiastic amateurs. Yes. I feel like the music master who must make encouraging noises at the end of something. Yes, yes. <laughs> Try harder. You know, a little, little bit more practice and I could... <laughs> We could all go ah. home feeling a little bit yes. better about ourselves. Yeah. I, f- I found that a little bit uncomfortable to listen oh, to. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting to see where your boundaries lie. Yeah. It's one of the reasons for the show. We- week in and week out. Will press- he, can he keep his temper? <laughs> can he keep his temper? <laughs> You're doing very well this week, Thanks. Sir. We're approaching the end of the show. We've got two more tracks to play, including now a new reissue of an album which features a version of that uh, show favourite that we hardly ever play these days, Caravan. I think we've played it more than any other <laughs> track. True. That is true. This is a, a rather extraordinary discovery. I didn't realise that uh, the great French library musician Eddie Warner, uh, well known for making some quite way out electronic library music in the 70s and 80s, was a band leader working in Paris who happened to have at one stage, and certainly in 1955, when this next track was recorded, Lalo Schifrin, both on the keys and also doing a lot of the arrangements as well. And making coffee. <laughs> Occasionally making some coffee. Makes a lovely cup of coffee. He, d- he does. So this uh, album, Eddie Warner Essa Musique Tropicale, you can work out what that means, has just been reissued. This is that wonderful version of Caravan. Featuring Lalo Schifrin mm. from Eddie Warner, It's a Musique Tropicale. <laughs> Very good it was, too. It was splendid, splendid. Uh, lovely to hear that again. No, it's lean, wasn't it? There's no fat on that. Oh, no. Uh, everything. Like a gazelle. <laughs> 
<laughs> just meat. Mm, it was. Beautiful version. And hopefully we'll endeavour, dear listeners, to play more versions of Caravan as the weeks unfold. We're going to leave you by playing another recent uh, reissue, a compilation of Bollywood music. We've played or dipped into a few of those over the years, but this is specifically a disco <laughs> collection of tunes from Bollywood. This comes from the 1983 film Mahan, Apparently means great or famous. I'm not quite sure what the Hindi title means after trying to do a bit of research. But anyway, this is the great Asha Bosley, no less, working with Kishore Kumar, a song called Pyar Mindil Pimar Digoli. If you happen to speak Hindi, do you please let us know what that means. It's a magnificent uh, thing. I have been a DJ Bongo boy. I hope your energy levels have been increased now we're sitting underneath the geodesic dome. I have been MC Zirconium, and I hope you find yourself lithe and muscular. Until next week, dear listener. Rev up the direction!
तेरे जैसा हसी तेरे जैसा जवा कोई है महबूब का exercises dear listener as next week on project moonbase we bring you celebrating 50 years of the swingle seers <laughs> 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 